You're listening to the expository preaching ministry of Kootenai Community Church, located in Kootenai, Idaho. We pray that Christ is exalted and your spirit is blessed by the teaching of God's Word. For more information about Kootenai Church, please visit us online at kootenaichurch.org. We're having a little short meeting in the back there. It's almost over. That was kind of rude of me, wasn't it? All right, uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, we do uh, just completely acknowledge our dependence on you, Father. I, uh, I'm weak and you are strong and pray, Lord, that your strength would be made manifest and be made obvious. Um, I just pray for your, uh, your uh, physical strength and encouragement and your, uh, your word to be clearly understood this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm very thankful to be here today. I was praying yesterday that I could be here today because I get migraines. Anybody here get migraines? I get them occasionally. I get the, you know, you can't see out of one eye. That's what starts the whole thing. I'm watching the Olympics and suddenly people start to disappear. Oh no, yeah. So that whole thing, but it wasn't too bad. I was praying during that that it wouldn't be too bad and I could come and do this. So I'm here and I have water. So that's good. I want to review what we did last time. First of all, which is um, we got start, kind of, I guess not started in Acts, but kind of midway through Acts. We looked at Acts 15, the Jerusalem Council, if you remember that. And there was a, a council with apostles and elders. The, the elders from Antioch went to Jerusalem and they had a discussion about really a, uh, following the Mosaic Law for salvation. And they kind of settled that issue. They came up with some basic rules that would allow the Gentile Christians to live in fellowship with their Jewish brethren without uh, offending them. And the reason we looked at that was, one, to see the responsibility of elders to stand up to false doctrine, especially uh, heresy that comes directly at the gospel. The other was to see that there is no organization that is above the church itself that we have to look to for authority other than the Lord himself. His word. So that was the point of that. So when we started with Acts 20, we didn't get very far last time. So when I get uh, get going in Acts 20, start with verse 28, and we looked at that a little bit last time. We saw that elders. This is again an address to elders. This Acts 20. This is an address to the Ephesian elders from Paul. And he started off with saying, be on guard for yourselves or guard yourselves. We looked at the influence of leadership and how important it is for leaders to have a right relationship with the Lord. And then be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. So elders have to be on guard for the flock. We'll look at that in a specific way again today. And then it says to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. And that's we'll spend some time today to shepherd the church of God. And we looked at that a little bit last time. That's the responsibility of elders. That's what elders are directed to do is to shepherd the church of God. If you have King James, it says to feed. Uh, that verb means to shepherd, to do all the things necessary to take care of sheep. But feeding is an important part of that responsibility. That's why it's translated that way. So we talked a little bit about feeding the sheep. Okay, That is what elders are directed to do, is to feed the sheep, is to have healthy sheep. And I did use the term plump. Apologize for that. I meant spiritually plump. That's all. It didn't mean anything else. It means healthy. I meant healthy. It, we're to, to feed abundantly the sheep with the Word. And that's all we have uh, to feed them with. It doesn't particularly here emphasize that elders are to grow the flock. Right? It doesn't mean, I want to clarify this, it doesn't mean that elders should not be concerned about growing their particular flock. That's a perfectly reasonable thing to be concerned about. If it's a healthy flock, it should be growing. That would be a reasonable thing. But that is not the emphasis. It's <laughs> something funnier over there than over here. Uh, church growth comes from feeding the flock. 
if the flock is well fed, the flock will go share with goats, and goats will become sheep, and they will enter the flock. And that's the that's what we're talking about. Elders, all Christians are called to evangelize, and we've talked about that before. We had a big, you know, had a big lesson on that. All right. So, I'm not saying that evangelism isn't something we ought to be doing. It clearly is. We're commanded to do that. It's really important. But as a church and as an eldership, what we are mainly tasked with doing is feeding the flock. Okay, does that make sense? Any uh, thoughts on that? Is that good? That's good. Ron says good. Time to go. Okay. Now, the last part of this is what I really want to spend some time on. It's an amazing, beautiful little part of a verse. you got to get this. Be a guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. That's pretty big right there, isn't it? To these elders. Be on guard for yourselves. Be on guard for the flock. The Holy Spirit has made you elders over these people. Shepherd this church of God. Okay, that's pretty high right there. But then, Paul really gives it to him. <laughs> this last part. Which he purchased with his own blood. God has purchased this church with His blood. So now, understand your responsibility to shepherd this flock. Because it's His flock purchased with His own blood on the cross. Right. That's, a, that's a pretty high thing. Uh, this is 1 Peter 1, 17-19. It says, If you address as Father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood, as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. That is the price of your redemption, the blood of Christ. It's a high price. It's an infinitely high price. And so anyone that has charge over a Christian, someone who's been purchased with that blood, has an unbelievably high responsibility. And that's what Paul is getting at. I was going to basically ignore this point, but I couldn't. So I'm going to talk about a little bit of a point with this verse that really has nothing to do with eldership or, or biblical leadership, anything like that. But I just I don't want to pass it up. There's a doctrine here that is embedded in this verse, besides redemption, to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. And I I don't I don't think anybody here is using a really weird translation that would translate that in any sort of odd way. Everybody has pretty much that idea. In fact, exactly that idea. Shepherd, the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So what is the doctrine there that you think I might be getting at? Besides redemption, that you can see in that verse. It's not immediately obvious, but Thomas? That verse proves it, doesn't it? He purchased with his own blood. It's the blood of Christ. That's the blood. God doesn't have blood. God is not doesn't have a body. God the Father, I mean. God the Son does. And he shed his blood for us. Okay? So it's a it's a proof verse of the deity of Christ. Let me show you why some other people have seen that this is in fact a proof verse of the deity of Christ. They don't like the deity of Christ. So they simply change it. Get that one on top. And I made it in the goofy font on purpose. Okay? So you would remember that this is goofy. Acts 20.28 in the New World Translation of the Holy Scriptures. This is my well-worn version of that. Um, it's well-worn, honestly, because I think I got it at a yard sale or at the Dufert Mall. But for something like this, it works good. Acts 20.28, the New World Translation. Pay attention to yourselves and all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has appointed you overseers to shepherd the congregation of God, which he purchased with the blood of his own Son. And they even put the word Son in brackets, admitting that it's not in the verse. Because I'm desperate to hold on to this doctrine of demons that says Jesus is not God, and so I'll do whatever I have to to do it, even throw in a word in there. And so that's what they've done here. Jesus is God. This verse proves it. You can't deny it. Um, 
I'm sure they wouldn't change it. They they would use a normal translation. I don't. I'd have to look, but I don't think they. I think they just would use the normal King James version, and and they would say that it was just perverted over the years as the church lost its way, and then it took the angel and da 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 all that stuff. Um, okay, does that make sense? I would tell you a little bit about what my daughter Jamie said when I showed her this yesterday. I showed my girls this, and she says, "Well, that's lying." <laughs> I said, "Yeah, it is. It's lying." It's also blasphemy and idolatry, and uh, there is a judgment to come for this person that I would I hate to even try to imagine. An awful thing. And I showed him this. This is, this is you know, I had this open. She goes, well, that looks like a regular Bible. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's supposed to look like a regular Bible, but it isn't. Right? It isn't a Bible. I thought that was more insightful. Okay. But my main point is, again, biblical eldership. So we want to go back to that and just reemphasize. Paul is saying, you men, you elders, remember this. You are appointed by the Holy Spirit. You have charge over your flock. You have responsibility over... I shouldn't even say your flock. He doesn't say that. You have responsibility over these people, and they belong to God, purchased at an infinitely high price, the price of his own blood. You still want to be an elder? I expect him to kind of say that at the end of this. You still want to be an elder? He doesn't. I'm sure he already explained that to them. So that is a, a very grave warning. It puts him in a very grave responsibility, doesn't it? You can't be fussing around if you're an elder. You can't be just messing around and bringing in whatever you want to bring in and just having a good time and telling stories. You have a responsibility to the church of God, which is purchased with his own blood. There's a reward for service generally, um, and it does what Bonnie had asked about. That uh, certain certain elders are worthy of double honor, but it's not talking about spiritual rewards there. I don't believe. It's the same reward any of us can expect for faithful service. A reward that we'll quickly give to God, understanding that He did it. Yeah. You can see that, I hope, from, from just this verse. Uh, I want to make the point, because so we made the point when we started this, that you know this is directed to the elders, but this applies to all of you. Right? If you have children... If you have a wife, a husband, if you have, if you're a cubby leader, if you are a sparky leader, if you are in charge over anyone, especially anyone in the flock of God, in the church of God, remember, he purchased that person with his own blood. They're precious beyond imagination. You can't be lazy. You can't do a bad job. You have to serve with excellence, right? Because of the precious responsibility that you've been given. Applies to all of us. Maybe especially to elders, because it tends to be more people that they have charge over. But that's, that's about all we can say. Ephesians 5:25. Everybody, I'm just going to read this. See, everybody knows Ephesians 5:25 as a husbands and wives verse, but it's really not a husbands and wives verse. It's a Christ in the church verse. Husbands, love your wives, <clears throat> just as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself up for her, so that He might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. And that's Christ's view of the church. It's his bride, purchased with his own blood. That has to be the elder's view of his flock, right? If it isn't, it shouldn't be an elder. Does that make sense? Lanny? Yeah. Okay. Welcome back, by the way. Okay, let's go on. 29 through 31. Let's go up there, I guess. Clear enough. It says, 
29 through 31. I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, and from among your own selves men will arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not teach to admonish each one with tears. Okay. Uh, when Jim preached on that, which has been some time ago now, I don't know how many years ago that would have been. Many years ago. <laughs> I remember that. That was a very passionate message. Elders have to be ready to fight. Really, it's, it's fighting. It's contending. Not physically. I mean, thankfully, not physically. We wouldn't do so well there. But being able to fight with the Word. To, to use the Word to fight battles over doctrine theology. That's what it's talking about. And elders have to be able to do that. We know that. But I want you to see from verse 31 how elders are to, to fight. How they're, they're supposed to expel the wolves. It says to be on the alert in verse 31. Therefore, be on the alert. That's the first part of eldering responsibility when it comes to savage wolves. You have to be on the alert. So that means the elders have to know the people. Right? They can't be aloof. They have to know you guys. They have to know that you're Oh, what kind of books? You know, you reading any good books lately? Sure, I've just read Velvet Jesus or whatever one of Brian McLaren's newest thing. I really like him a lot. Velvet Elvis. Yeah. Velvet Elvis. Is that what it was? Uh, what's the other one? Generous Orthodoxy. If somebody's reading these things, you know, yeah, we need to be able to know that and understand. So we have to be on the alert. We have to know what it is that you're doing and, and be spending time with you. So if, if you have an elder that just prepares a message and comes on Sunday morning and delivers the message, even if he, he's doing a very good job of teaching Bible doctrine, doing a very good job teaching against heresy that's out there, if he doesn't know you, he's not very alert, probably. But there's that other part of alertness, knowing what's out there, knowing what's going on, what kind of new heresies there are out there. They're not really any new heresies. They're just kind of repackaged and we're going to call them something different today. It's all the same thing, as God really said. It's always the same thing. Uh, but you got to know what they are. Jim handed me something this morning that kind of goes along with that. This is a from Worldview Weekend. I don't know much about it. I'm not advocating it or anything. But here's uh, the topics. It says, What every Christian must understand if they want to contend for faith, family, and freedoms. Understanding the new spirituality of Oprah Winfrey. You know, Oprah Winfrey is the spiritual leader of much of America. Especially, this is just true, I'm not making any judgment about this, but women in America, they look to Oprah. Oprah. The new spirituality is not so new, that's a fact. The new spirituality in the emergent church, we've talked a lot about the emergent church. Um, Why the new spirituality is replacing secular humanism is a predominant Western worldview. So these are things that you have to know about. If you're going to be an elder, you have to know about these things and understand why they're wrong and you have to be able to confront them. Okay? Ready to fight. So you have to be on the alert. And then it says to admonish. Therefore, be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. And elders have to be able to, as Paul did, admonish. Admonish comes from a Greek word that you may have heard in some in other contexts before. Um, it's nuthateo. You ever heard of nuthetic counseling? Nuthetic counseling? You ever heard of that? That's uh Marcia, of course, has. Uh, that's a... Well, Jess, you could probably explain it better than I can. If you, Thank you. 
Um, I wouldn't say that, no. I, I, I don't want to say that nuthetic counseling and true biblical counseling are the same thing. All right? I'm not, I don't want to advocate nuthetic counseling and say that there's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely perfect in every situation. That's what we've got to do. Because I can't say that. Um, but it is an approach that first goes to the Scripture and says this is, this is what Scripture has to say about this particular um, So I'll just leave, it, leave that at that. The point is that they use the word nuthetic because it, it is the Greek word for admonish or instruct that's used in the Scriptures. Okay. So we are, as elders, tasked with admonishing okay. from the Scriptures. It means warning, showing from the Scripture why this thing that you're doing is wrong, or this thing that you're believing is false, and the danger of that thing. Okay. So that's... That's a way, uh, or one of the ways in which elders guard the flock from savage wolves through admonishing. And the last part of it, it's done with tears. Be on the alert, remembering that night and day for a period of three years, I did not cease to admonish each one with tears. Paul cried a lot. I mean, for a, for a, a, a manly man, which Paul was, right? I mean, all, all the things that Paul did, I don't have to tell you. He was a tough guy. Absolutely. He cried. And when he cried, it was not because he was undergoing some physical pain. He seemed to just bounce back literally from that. Right? Oh, a snake bit me. I got hit with a rock. You know, I'm okay. No problem. But when he saw his people or he knew he was going to be with his people, he cried. When his people were in error, he cried. He couldn't help it. There's emotion there. Elders don't come to somebody... And this is a little bit what getting at your question, Ken. Elders don't always come to somebody and just say, hey, that's wrong. This is what Scripture says. You've got to turn it around. See you next week. Right? That's not eldering. That's not pastoring. Right? It's done with tears. You are fighting against an idea or against some sin, but you're fighting for someone's soul, for someone's heart. You're fighting for them to have their relationship restored with your Lord. So, yeah, it's, it's emotional. We care about it. So, if it, can, if it turns into something cold, then it's not biblical eldership. Okay. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm doing a lot of this with my hands more than usual today. I don't know why that is. Does it annoy you when I do this? It does? Okay. Yeah. I'll do it more then. <laughs> I'm giving something to look at while I'm trying to think. <laughs> you probably will someday, right? <laughs> the last part of this, and now, well, I guess it's not the very last part, but we're good to go. Now I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Paul is demonstrating here a couple of things, again, that elders need to keep in mind. He says, now I commend you to God, to the word of His grace. Paul is praying for these elders, commending them to God in prayer. So that's one thing elders have to keep in mind. Everything has to be done in prayer. Prayer is our great resource. Now, we believe in the sovereignty of God in all things. We all believe that, whether we would admit to that or not, whether we want to say, well, no, I know what you're, what you're saying, and you're saying Calvinism, and I don't believe that, and so I don't, I don't believe in the sovereignty of God in all things. Well, you really do. I know that you do because you pray. If you don't pray, then I, we've got other things to talk about. But if you pray, you believe in the sovereignty of God. Listen to the things that you pray. You don't say, God, I'm going to help you with this thing. Amen. Nobody does that. Right? It's God, help me with this. God, I'm broken in this. God, I need your strength in this. You know that God is sovereign in all things. Now, if you believe in that God is sovereign in all things, then back up a second. Why do you pray? He's going to change his mind. 
relationship, right? I'm going to flesh that out in a second, right? He told us to. That's enough right there, isn't it? Even if I, I don't really know why I'm doing that, but dear God, give us this day our daily bread. What? <laughs> You're going to pray because God commanded you to, and that's, that's, a, that's a plenty good motivation, isn't it? But when we pray, getting at this idea of relationship, I want to be clear. There's a lot going on right now about prayer as a two-way communication. There's books and all this stuff about prayer, two-way communication. You pray and then you're supposed to be quiet and listen. That's nowhere taught in Scripture. You're not supposed to be quiet and listen. What you're going to hear when you listen is your own thoughts. All right? You're not going to hear God talk to you when, when you do that. It's not a two-way communication in that sense. But you do align your will with God. You acknowledge your dependence on Him and align your will with His. I go, I've prayed often where I go to God with an idea or a thought for what I need to pray for. And as I think about His Word or what He's, what he's told me about Himself, it changes. Even last night I'm praying, I'm getting this migraine and I'm praying, Lord, please prevent this from happening so that I can teach tomorrow. I don't want to go through this. I don't like going through this. I don't like being sick. I don't like the pain. Please, please. Well, and then the more I pray, it changes. You know what I mean. You start to say, Lord, whatever you give me, what can, how could I not take this from you? You've given me so much. Whatever you give me, I'll praise you for it. Right? I'll call Jeff. He'll teach. Okay? So Dan, all night last night, Jess, a side note, she was saying, I'm going to call Jess. <laughs> I said, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't call Jess. But see, that, and isn't that what it's like when you pray? You come at it with emotion or with whatever the thing that you're in, and you align your will to God. Oh, what a blessing. And you end up praising Him for whatever this thing that you thought was so horrible, you end up praising Him that, that he, he might give this to you, that you could show His glory through it. So that prayer is important. We absolutely acknowledge our dependence on Him in prayer. And I would say it's important especially for elders. And why especially for elders? Why is prayer especially important for elders? We have to be able to feed them. We can't do that unless we acknowledge that we're absolutely dependent on God. An elder can get puffed up. Especially you know, a church that has a single elder, especially they're in charge of the flock, and they could they could potentially get puffed up. And prayer would certainly take care of that. Honest, open prayer takes care of that. So, really, it's maybe especially important because of that, and just because there is a very grave responsibility. Um, but it's really absolutely important for everybody. The other part of this, he says. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace. Right? And we talked about this a little bit before. God's word is all we have to feed the flock. It's all we have to bring you. I don't have anything else to bring you. I, I read Sports Illustrated. I could bring you that. But it wouldn't do you any good. I was actually in a service one time where, I've been in a couple services like this. So I'll talk about one of them because you won't know anything about it. guy put a Time magazine cover on the overhead. And actually talked about it a little bit. Not just as a, like an illustration. He wanted to talk about the issue that was being described there in Time Magazine. Uh, that's nothing. That's worthless. I don't. The only thing that anybody has to teach you, the only thing that you have to learn from and to grow into Christ with is the Word of God. And it's sufficient for anything that comes up. And Paul's being clear with that. I commend you to God and to the word of His grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Okay. All right, keep going. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. This is verses 33 to 35. I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, that He Himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So an elder has to be free from selfish interest. They have to be generous and hardworking. Um, this may have a bearing on the discussion we have talked about a little bit with paid and unpaid elders. Um, Paul was unpaid. Paul had the right to be paid. Um, elders do have that. And we'll see that. 
They have the right to be paid. They don't have to exercise that right. So they can be paid or they can be unpaid. Paul was not paid. He worked. That's what he says here. He worked for met all of his needs and the needs of those around him. So it may have some variant. We'll talk about that um, in more detail later. But either way, whether paid or unpaid, Paul demonstrates an attitude of an elder that must be must be there. They've got to be hardworking, generous, free from selfishness. Now there are those, maybe you've known some men who thought this way. I really want to be a pastor because, man, the hours are great. We don't even have an evening service at this church I'm looking at. We just go, we just have morning service. Somebody else teaches adult Sunday school, morning service, good to go. 35 minutes, probably take me two hours to get that ready. You ever known anybody that even said that? Yes, yes. <laughs> Last resort, right? Be a pastor. You can tell that. <laughs> I don't know. I, when I was in Klamath Falls, I, I was trying to find a church. That, that brief hiatus that I spent, like Jonah, avoiding doing bad things. I, I, Jim was, called it my Nineveh trip or whatever. <laughs> went to Klamath Falls. I was looking for a church. It was hard to find a church. I went to uh, I went to Southern Baptist Church and. Uh, Nicest people, wonderful people, small church. Uh, the the elder got up and, and taught his lesson, and it was very conversational. Went through a huge passage, like you know, 15 verses, and kind of paraphrased them. And well, just that's not it. Doesn't have a high enough view of scripture. Doesn't work hard enough. Okay. Went good speaker. All that fine. Beautiful building. Went finally went to another few churches. Found, went to this one small church. Speaker was not very good. The pastor, not a good speaker at all. But I listened to him. And what he did was go through about three words of a verse. Right? Give you the gave you the background of it. Here's the the depth of meaning of the verse. Stumbled around like I do, which is fine because he was giving me the meat of the word that he understood what he was in. So that's where we went while we were there. Worked hard, okay? and an elder has to do that. If you have a lazy elder, he's not qualified. Um, one other thing that this obviously precludes an elder board. Remember, this is clearly Paul's talking to elders. He uses the word elders. So if a church has an elder board, and the elder board, the main duty of the elder board is to meet once a month and talk about church business, they're not working very hard, are they? So there's something, there's a disconnect there. This idea of eldership precludes that idea of eldership. Okay? Meeting once a month to discuss church finances is not eldership. It's not eldering. All right. Uh, the last part of this passage. This might actually work out. Last part of this passage says, uh, verse 36 through 38. When he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all, and they began to weep aloud and embrace Paul. And repeatedly kissed him, grieving especially over the word which he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And that goes back to kind of something we were talking about a few minutes ago. Just what everybody calls a pastor's heart. And you know it when someone has it. You say, well, he has a pastor's heart. And these men cried because they were going to see each other again in this life. And that's hard. So they cried. They felt that. And that's normal. Somebody who cares about people, they'll have that emotion. That's good. And Paul certainly had that. Okay, so that is really what I wanted to do in that passage. It's a 
It's a great passage. You could spend a lot more time in it. Are there any anything you, I need to clear up or questions or anything? I'm not going to do anything more in Acts. Move on. Or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. I mean, you see a path that someone that you care about is headed down, and it's away from the Lord. And yeah, that's that's emotional. I do have a luxury where I work, I work at Lighthouse, I have an office job. So I do have the luxury of being able to listen to anything I want to listen to. I can't read things because I'm doing work. <laughs> that wouldn't be good. But I can listen to anything I want to listen to during work, so I do that. I listen to you know, good preachers. Uh, you, the Internet's an amazing resource right now. You can listen to John MacArthur. You can listen to Alistair Begg. You can listen to The Way of the Master Radio. You can listen to these things. And there's a lot of good information there to listen to. And then reading books, you know, there's a lot of good books out there by people you trust. But it takes time. I mean, you know, this is, this is not, I'm not saying this because I do this or I do less of this than anybody else. I know that that's really probably true. I probably do less of this than any good elder anywhere. But like today, I'm going to be working on next week's lesson until about 7 o'clock. It's just the way it goes. And you go to websites and you try to learn and you get the, your books out and you, you know that's what you have to do. That's the hard work that that I have to do. I have a job, so that's about all I can do. Is this <laughs> uh, whatever else other responsibilities are out there? I know how much Jim works. You guys should know how much Jim works. It's not a. I'm not. A, I actually had written this down. I thought, no, nah, I'm just gonna skip over this. It just kind of made me think about this. I've seen Jess push his body beyond its limits, where he's just physically done. I've seen it. You've got to work hard. And I am, I'm proud to work with these two men. They work hard. I mean, there's, there can be no question about it. They work hard. And you have to. It's, you know, so if you have a job, and it's not just that we all have to kind of try to be aware of these things, especially elders. There are ways to, to learn these things. I mean, you, you guys watch TV, right? Anybody watch TV here? Raise your hand. Watch TV. Watch TV. <laughs> and you spend a couple hours a day watching TV. Oh, I won't admit to that. I won't raise my hand because I actually spend six hours a day watching TV. <laughs> we watch a lot of TV. That's fine. You know, I'm not. TV's fine. I'm not. You know what? But just take a little bit of that time and and read. I just read The Truth Wars, John MacArthur. That's a that's an accessible book. Um, get The Truth Wars. You want to understand the emergent church. Get that book and read it. I read a book, uh, J.I. Packer, Knowing God. It's an accessible book, very good book of theology. You want to you understand theology? Read that book. It's not, you know, you don't have to be a some sort of professor or something to, to read that. I read it. Okay. So there's stuff out there. Actually, briefly, because we talked we talked about it a few weeks ago, but the, we actually recognize elders, um, men who serve as, in the functions of elders, and we're actually going to look at First Thessalonians, and you'll you'll see that there too, not in the appointment, but in the serving, in the functioning as elders, men who serve in the functions of elders, because that's who they are. We over time, when we have come to know them somewhat, we as elders gather and and recognize, say, this man looks like he's serving in the function of, the function of an elder. Uh, we need to interview him 
understand his, his theology, uh, understand his family life, all the qualifications of eldership. And then if we believe him to be qualified, we need to recognize him as such. And so we do. We have a, during the regular service, we'd say, you know, we're, we're planning to recognize this man as an elder. If you have anything against him, you know, you know, some reproach, uh, let us know because we want to make sure he's, a, he's above reproach. And that's how we do it. Then we recognize him. Yes? I'm actually glad you brought that up because I'm I'm hopeful that there will be young well I, I don't care young or old really but there will be men who aspire to the office of elder and deacon and that will come up you know as we go through this that's what I'd like to see is is actually someone someone coming to us and saying you know I think I would I aspire to that office what's where do I go from here that's what I'm hoping for so it's good to keep that in mind all right um, the next section that I have, and this will work out good because the next section I have is kind of uh, not that important, to be honest. It, it introduces a section that is going to be important. And I have to introduce some error so you can see truth, so that's what I'm going to do in the next few minutes. The, the section that is going to be useful is eldership in the general epistles. This is really the church epistles, if you want to call them that. I want to look at what Paul has to say in the Nine letters to the churches. And I have to look. Romans, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Paul's letters to the churches. Okay, So I'm not talking about 1 Timothy and Titus because those are not letters to churches. I'm not talking about 1 Peter because it's not Paul's letter. I'm not talking about Revelation. I'm not talking about Acts. I'm talking about those general, we'll call the general epistles or church epistles of Paul. And there's a reason why I have to kind of address that as a group. It's because there's a lot of heresy that has come up around the fact that Paul does not use the term elder in any of those letters. He doesn't use that term at all. In any of those church epistles, Paul does not use the term for elders. So there are, there's a kind of a whole false body of thought that has arisen out of that it says, well, because Paul doesn't mention elders in those churches, there weren't elders in those churches. Okay. There weren't elders in those churches. So if there weren't elders in those churches, what is? can you see what kind of problem that might cause? Theologically here? What did I just read here? Acts chapter 20. It said Paul called to himself the elders, right, from Ephesus. But they didn't have elders. Then Acts is wrong. And First Timothy is wrong. And Titus is wrong because it says that they have elders. Right? This is, a, I'll give you quotes from a couple of people here. I don't know much about them except to know that they're heretics. And so... I don't care what they have to say, except for I have to say enough of it to know that to be able to refute it. Ernst Kossman, is that how you say it? You guys ever heard of him? No. He's a wonderful guy, liberal theologian. Liberal theologian. It's almost a contradiction in terms. A higher critic, he was focused on the quest for the historical Jesus. Historical Jesus, that's a poison that is out there uh, still today. The Deepak Chopra and his historical Jesus, and it's different from the other Jesus and the other Jesus, and really the real Jesus is my Jesus, which is me. That's Deepak Chopra, and that's kind of this guy too. Here's what he says: We may assert without hesitation that the Pauline community had no presbytery. What's that? Remember presbyteros? Elders. It means elders. 
They didn't have any during the apostles' lifetime. Otherwise, the science on the subject in every Pauline epistle is quite incomprehensible. It's not incomprehensible, and we'll show you why it's, it's actually comprehensible. It's actually, it should be expected. Uh, Hans Kung, or Kung, again, don't really care, liberal theologian. He was a Catholic. Uh, I guess he's still a Catholic, but he is not supposed to teach anymore as a Catholic because he denied papal infallibility. Way to go, Hans. Give him that one. But he denied every other sort of truth that there is, basically. <laughs> and he's one of these guys like like uh, Deepak Chopra and like, uh, who's the Oprah's favorite guy now? Eckhart Tolle. Yeah. Like him, that they say lots of things. Lots of words come out. Don't know what they're saying. All I know for sure is they're denying any truth of Scripture. It's the same old satanic lies coming out of their mouths, but can't really understand what they are saying because it doesn't make sense. Same with him. This actually makes sense. It's just wrong. At all events, Luke is making an unhistorical addition. Oh, okay. That stops me right there. Luke is making an unhistorical addition. He's saying Luke is lying either theologically conditioned or based on a tradition which had developed in the meantime. So either he was told he had to put that in or some theology arose that said there should be elders, so he had to lie about there being elders. Which, when he maintains that Paul and Barnabas appointed elders in every church. But this is not borne out by the letters of Paul himself. So then you can, once you say, well, there, there weren't any elders in those churches, and that's all a bunch of hoo-ha, what we really had were a group of men that were over all these churches, so we need to have monsignors and cardinals over here. We need to have bishops and da da da. It's the support for that hierarchical, unbiblical thing. Okay? So that's why they have to say those things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that must be what's going on. Uh, we know it's absolute nonsense. What, what we're doing is we're taking, we're taking the absence of something from a set of letters, and instead of trying to understand why it's not there, we're saying, well, since it's not there, it didn't really exist. So where it clearly says it does exist, we're just going to deny those. Illogical. Um, but that's what that's what happens, and you'll hear maybe you'll hear some of that. So we got to be uh, we got to be clear about it. But what does Acts 14 say? First of all, were there elders in the churches to whom Paul wrote these nine letters? Yes, we know that for sure. Acts 14, what was it, 14, I'm, it's not in my head, 1423? <laughs> Something like that. You can see it. Acts 1423. Uh, is that where it says they appointed elders in every church? Okay. So they appointed elders in every church. All of those churches, which included Ephesus and, and these churches that we're talking about. Not all of them, but we know that there. Let's take Ephesus. We know absolutely for certain there were elders in Ephesus. Acts 20. We just read Acts 20. He called for the elders and then he gave them this address. So we know with certainty that there were elders in the churches. Right? So unless we're willing to throw the book of Acts out, there were elders in the churches to whom Paul wrote these letters when he wrote these letters. So there's still a question. If there were elders in those churches, I think I'll just stop after I ask this question. You can think about it. If there were elders in those question, in those churches, does it seem odd to you that there is no mention of elders in those letters? Maybe. <laughs> I think there's even more to it than that. It, it, it is a given. Um, I'm going to show you... Uh, uh, that there are, I don't want to leave you with the impression that there are no such verses at all. Um, I want to be clear exactly what I'm saying, but then we'll pick it up next time. Philippians 1 1, we've looked at it a few times here. What is, do you guys remember Philippians 1 1? Was that an answer or is that a baby? That was a baby. <laughs> well, that was a, I didn't know what that was. Philippians 1 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons. doesn't use the word elders, but it does mention overseers. Overseers are elders. We've established that. Okay, so there is that mention. Ephesians 4, remember we talked about that? It's the only use. It's 
the only time there's an English word in Ephesians 4.11 that is, that is there only in the entire Bible. You know what that word is? Remember that word? Pastors. It's, it's, that's the only place that it, but pastors are, are shepherds, are elders, so it's mentioned there. Um, we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians 5 in detail next time. And 1 Thessalonians 5. I'd start to say it like the, uh, like the Hawaii kids say it. Which is, could be anything. First, the Malomana. <laughs> it's a hard word to say. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians says, uh, in 5, 12, and 13. Let's see, I've got it right here. Please hold so I don't say anything wrong. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. That you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. It doesn't call them elders. They may not even actually have been recognized as elders. But there clearly are people functioning as elders in the, that church. Okay, so I don't want to say that there's no mention of elders. I think there, those are mentions of elders of that group of men. But it does seem like there's not enough. If Paul appointed elders. He made a he made a special point of it here in Acts 20 to bring the elders and give them an address. Why doesn't he talk to them in these in these uh, books? And we'll look at that next time. Okay, let's pray and we'll be on to the next thing. Father, we are just so thankful for your word and just for you. I mean, you're you're just so far beyond us and we you just see your perfection in everything. You you are so good. And we accept anything from your hand. You've given us so much good. All that we have is from you. And we want to be faithful to your word. We don't want to blaspheme your word by misinterpreting and misunderstanding it. We don't want to. Uh, we don't want to be guilty of idolatry and make up a god of our own. We just want to understand your word. We want to be in it. We want to. We want to work to dig out the depths that are in it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the latest podcast from Kootenai Church. If you'd like to learn more about Kootenai Church or to donate to our church ministry, you can do so online by visiting KootenyChurch.org. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and pray you'll join us again next time. Once again, thank you for listening.